if you will for Nita I asked her to minister to that song because we're going to talk about two men who needed a touch from God and so she ministered to us so well let's praise God and thank her for that so this morning yeah we're going to talk about two men Peter and Judas and um, Peter and Judas broke something and they couldn't fix it and both of them were in need of a touch from God. And we just want to talk about how they handled that, if you will. Amen. Turn with me, please, to the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, the 26th chapter. And we're going to read a portion from the 26th. We're going to be at um, 60, verses 69 through 75. So Matthew 26, starting at verse 69. And you're going to stay there, and we're going to move down to the next chapter afterwards. I'm reading from the NIV version. Okay, when you have it, say amen. amen. Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. And then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said, and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again and with an oath. I don't know the man. And after a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely you are one of them because your accent gives you away. And then he began to call down curses. He spoke in other tongues, y'all, other tongues. And he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately, a rooster crowed. And then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Let's move down to chapter 27, still in Matthew, verse 3. When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood what is that to us they replied that's your responsibility so Judas threw the money into the temple and left and then he went out and hanged himself again this morning we're going to talk about Peter and Judas two men who were broken and broken something that they couldn't fix let us pray Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you. We want to praise you, dear God. We just, God, we just honor you for the worship experience that we have already had. Thank you, dear Lord, for how you've ministered to us through, through song and through dance and, and through the prayer, dear Lord. Thank you, dear God, for all that you're doing within us and through us. And now, Father, as we come to this time of bringing your word, 
God, I pray for your strength. I pray, God, that you will move by your spirit in this place. And I pray and stand on the promise, dear Father, that you promised us whenever your word goes forth, it will do whatever you have commanded and ordained it to do. And so we thank you, God, that your word will do the work today. We thank you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated. So I just want to ask you a question. How do you handle, how do you personally handle regret? Regret. I'm speaking about the kind of regret where you wish with all of your heart and soul that you really could go and take that back. The kind of regret where you know the damage has been done and the damage that has been done, you can't fix it. It's unrepairable. There, there isn't anything you do, can do to take back or to undo whatever it is that you have done. And the mere fact that you can't fix it, the mere fact that you can't unring that bell, the mere fact you can't turn back the hands of time and get a chance not to do what you did, grieves you to the core because you can't change what already has been done. That's the predicament that Peter and Judas found themselves in. Both made a choice, and the choice that they made, the outcome of that choice, badly hurt an innocent person. It's one thing if you might do some damage to somebody who, you know, maybe just on the same scale where we are, they're just as bad and they kind of, we think they deserve it. But it's another thing when you hurt someone and you know they didn't deserve it. When I look at Peter and Judas and in looking at their predicament, I realize that Peter and Judas really had a lot in common that I often don't think about. You see, both Peter and Judas, both of them were called by Jesus. Both of them sat at Jesus' feet. Both were taught by Jesus and trained by him. Both of them walked with him for three years. Both of them even had their feet washed by Jesus. Both of them were with him when he performed the many miracles. They saw Jesus and were with him when he touched that child and raised him from the dead. He, they saw what Jesus had done. And the thing, other thing that they have in common, Judas betrayed Jesus the same night that Peter denied him. So both Peter and Judas badly hurt the one who came to save them, and when they realized what they had done, neither could fix what they had broken. In one way or another, both Judas and Peter were influenced by Satan, and Jesus predicted that. Both wanted Jesus to be, be someone that he was not. They wanted Jesus to be an earthly king and to set up an earthly kingdom. Both wanted him to overthrow the Romans and set himself, set himself up as a ruler and to return Israel to its former glory. And, and, and they wanted him to do what the scriptures had prophesied that would be done with Israel. Both of them wanted a type of Messiah 
that Jesus did not come to be. So we see Peter and Judas really had a lot in common. When the temple guards came to arrest Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, the scriptures informed us that all of the disciples disowned Jesus and ran, including Peter. But Peter did something that was a little different. What Peter did was that he still followed Jesus, but he followed him at a distance. He followed him at a distance to be sure that the guards didn't see him because he didn't want the same thing that was happening to Jesus to happen to him. And so Peter followed Jesus out in the lurking in the darkness of the night and hiding in, and he tried to keep his eye on Jesus while at the same time he was trying to blend in with the crowd. Would you accept me saying that there are some Christians who still try to blend in with the crowd? They try to keep an eye on Jesus, but at the same time trying to blend in with the world, and they blend in so well that often the world can't tell them apart. They follow him from a distance. They have the name on the roll, but there is no commitment. They follow him from a distance, they get married in your church, but they have no commitment. They follow him from a distance. They want you to bury them, but they have no commitment. They follow him from a distance when they want something from the church or when they want something from a Christian, but they have no commitment. They want the benefits. The benefits. The benefits of belonging to a church. The benefits of following Jesus, the benefits of saying I am with him, but at the same time I'm with him, but I am not with him. I tend to call them closet Christians. They come out when they need something. Closet Christians, you really can't tell for sure where they exactly stand when it comes to Christ. Closet Christians. So here was Peter trying to blend in all of the other folks who were out there. Here was Peter hiding out in the shadows. But see, one thing about when you're in the darkness, eventually the sun is going to rise. And while Peter was out there, the sun started to rise and people, people started recognizing Peter. See, no matter how much Peter wanted to change his walk and his talk, he couldn't change it. They knew something was still different about him. And so here Peter was singled out, not once, he denied him, he was singled out again, he singled out the third time, and the third time I guess Peter got tired, he got to cussing and saying, no, you wasn't talking about me. You know how sometimes the saints do when we get a little stressed out? He said it was to me and twice, and then we turn and we look with the Gospel of Luke, and, and Luke records this over in the 22nd chapter, 61st verse. He said, while Peter was still speaking, that is me, while Peter was in the midst of denying Christ, while Peter was saying, I don't know who he was, the Lord Jesus Christ turned, looked straight at Peter, dead into Peter's eyes, and then Peter remembered what Jesus had said. And he did it three times before the rooster crowed. Can you imagine Peter being in that situation? 
You did what Jesus said you were going to do. You denied that you wouldn't do that. You said you wouldn't do it, but you did it. And here Jesus is looking you straight in the eye, looking you in the eye as you stand there before him in the crowd and saying, I don't know who he is. Peter was devastated. Have you, have you ever been in a position you know you did something wrong and the person you wrong is looking at you? I, I pray, I'm praying that many people haven't been in it. But when you have wrong, and I was thinking about Peter in that position, I was like, my God. I just imagine his heart broke right there because Peter did love Jesus. He did love him. And I just can imagine that, 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 that mental image of Jesus looking at him, I just imagine it seared his brain and, and I can see G, um, Peter just running out of the courtyard trying to run away from the gaze, trying to run out of the presence of Jesus, trying to run away from the hurt that he had caused. I can imagine him running out of the courtyard, running, and when he ran out, he started crying bitterly, bitterly, meaning he was just crying uncontrollably. He was crying because he had hurt the one that he loved. Peter loved Jesus with all of his heart. Yes, he did. But even when you love someone, you can still hurt them. Even when you love someone, with all of your heart and your soul, you still can hurt them. And that's what got Peter the most. He hurt the one that he loved. He knew Jesus. And Peter believed in his heart and his soul that he would never ever forsake him. Have you ever, can you imagine being in a spot, believing with all your heart and your soul, you would never hurt anyone, you would never forsake them, and the very thing you thought you would never do, you did. You did. When Jesus prophesied to Peter and said, Peter, you're going to do this thing. You know you're going to deny me. Peter turned around, if you remember what the scripture said, and Peter said, no, look, let me tell you, even if everybody else around here, everybody else fall, I won't fall. That's what Peter said. I'm, some, some translations say, even if everybody else stumble, I will not stumble. And then he goes on to say later, he was like, you're going to die, I'm going to die with you. And Peter believed that thing. He really did. Peter wasn't faking. He really believed it. But here's the thing, there's a saying that says, never say never. Never say never. We don't know where life is going to take us, and when we get in a situation, we know what we think we want to do, but when you're actually in that situation, the truth of it is, we don't know what we're going to do. We don't know what we're going to do. And Peter did not know, Peter did not believe that he could fall. Peter didn't think it was going to happen to him. Peter was not only disappointed, that, not only disappointed by the fact that he hurt Jesus, but he was disappointed in himself. And sometimes I think that's the worst, this kind of disappointment, is when you're disappointed in yourself because you can't get away from yourself. You got to get up every morning and look at yourself. You got to lay with yourself. You got to walk with yourself. You can't run from yourself. One thing when I hurt somebody else, I don't have to see you. I can go home, mind my business or whatever. But Peter had to look at himself every single day. He had to look at the man who did what he didn't believe he was capable of doing. 
Because Peter had some pride in him. And that's one thing that we have to avoid. And that was something that needed to be cleaned up in Peter for him to become the leader that he was going to become. Because one thing as leaders, we too cannot say never, never. I can't say I never won't do anything. I never will fall. Because I'm going to tell you, the moment you say it, that's the moment the enemy is going to start putting some stuff in the way and will bring you down. So Peter was, and Peter, Peter was broken. Peter was broken, and he couldn't go back and, and retract his statement. Peter couldn't, couldn't stop seeing Jesus looking at him. Peter couldn't undo what he had done. Peter was living with a broken heart and a broken spirit because he had hurt the one that he loved. And then here comes Judas. See, the thing of it is, is with Judas is that Judas didn't think he was really betraying Jesus. See, Judas really thought that having Jesus arrested, it was going to force Jesus to take a stand and to, to, kick, to defeat and kick the Romans out of Jerusalem, and then Jesus would then make himself king over Israel. That's what Judas thought. But, but Judas was trying to, 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 to accelerate the plan. Judas devised his own plan, if you will. And, and, and so Jesus, Judas really thought that if he did this thing, that if he went and betrayed Jesus, that if he went to betray Jesus, that Jesus in turn was not going to let anybody hurt him. Jesus was not going to let anybody beat him. He thought that Jesus was going to call down his angels, go ahead and wipe the Romans out and do what he needed to do and become king and everybody would be happy. That's what he thought. But Judas' plan was not God's plan. And so the thing that he thought that was going to happen didn't happen the way that, it, that he was hoping it would. And then in a matter of a few hours, after he had went and kissed Jesus on the cheek, in a matter of a few hours, Jesus was nailed to the cross and he died on the cross. And as far as Judas was concerned, that's not the way it was supposed to be. Judas didn't mean for Jesus to die on the cross, but the very thing he didn't want is what happened. Have you ever been in a position that the very thing you didn't want happened to you? The very thing that he didn't want to happen, happened. And it devastated Judas. He was shocked. He couldn't believe Jesus was letting them beat him the way that they beat him. He couldn't believe that they were, or Jesus was going to allow himself to be crucified. That's not, was not the plan. When Jesus died, Jesus couldn't undo what he had done. He couldn't undo it. And the guilt of what the crime that he committed was overwhelming. And he ran back to the chief priest and he was looking for some kind of redemption. He was looking for a way to confess. He was saying, look, I have sinned. He, Judas was for real, for real. Judas was repentant. He was like, I have sinned by portraying innocent blood. Judas was broke down. And then the ones that he had gone to who were the religious leaders all of a sudden became self-righteous. They didn't mind hanging out with Judas when Judas was doing their bidding for him, but then all of a sudden now, then I found some religion and now we don't want to go against what God says. Do you follow what I'm saying? So here was Judas. Didn't know what he was doing. Hurt and broken. So here we have two men 
Peter and Judas, two men filled with guilt and shame, two men couldn't fix the hurt, they couldn't undo the betrayal or the denial, two men who both acknowledged it was their fault and that they were feeling so much hurt and deep pain. In other words, there are two men who knew what they were feeling, they had did it to themselves. And ain't nothing worse than when you know you did it to yourself. When you know, when you know what's up, when you mess up and you are the cause of your own mess up. Yeah, I mean, you know what I mean? That, that's a hurting thing. When you sit up and go like, you know what, I did it to myself. I never should have said I do, I did it to myself. Did it to myself. We don't have anyone in that situation, but did it to myself. They couldn't, they couldn't even totally, they couldn't even totally blame Satan. Even though he had a hand in it, don't get me wrong, but let me tell you, the enemy, he's just an influencer. That's all he's capable of doing. He, he is just an influencer. All he does is offer suggestions and recommendations. That's all he does. He just hands it out to you. It's up to us to make a decision as to whether or not we're going to do it or not. It is no such thing as the devil made me do it. No, he didn't. No. Now, I'm not going to say that the suggestion may not be powerful. It is. And the suggestion is always going to come in a way that looks good. Amen. Don't y'all be going holding out on me. Y'all know good and well. Y'all know good and well the suggestion comes and it looks good. But then James turns around and says, in James 1 and 12, he said, Blessed is the man who endures temptation. And Peter and Judas didn't endure. They went through it. And so Peter and Judas had much in common. They had so much in common. But one thing that I note in looking at the commonality of the two was they did not share how they, how they handled their, their regret. Both of them handled it differently. Let's look at Peter. The scriptures tell us, don't tell us when Peter went back to the disciples, but we know that he did. We know that Peter was there on Sunday morning, three days after Jesus' crucifixion, and when Mary Magdalene and the eleven were up in the up in the room. Uh, it was Mary Magdalene, Jesus' mother, and jo Joanna. They were all in the room, and Peter was there in the room with them. He did go back. That's a lesson, though. Sometimes when you've messed up. You need to go back to the ones who got some strength. Go back to the ones and surround yourself with some people who can kind of help you along the way. We don't know. We don't know if Peter told them what he had done. We don't know if he had confessed it. The scriptures don't tell us that. We don't know that. But I just imagine that in those days when Jesus was in the tomb, it was a, also a dark place for Peter too that he was in his own spiritual tomb, if, if you will. He was in his own place of darkness. And in that place of darkness, Peter had to confront the man that he thought he was. He had to deal with the man who he thought he was and look at the man for who he is and who he was at that time. He had to reconcile himself. He had to understand that even though he felt 
like he would never deny Jesus, but he had some pride issue that he had to deal with. He had some arrogance that he had to deal with. Sometimes we think that our, our confidence, we sometimes can confuse confidence with arrogance. They can easily disguise themselves. Confidence can come off like you're arrogant, but you're not. But at the same time, you can be arrogant and you think you're confident. Peter had to deal. He had to struggle with himself. He had to wrestle in the darkness with himself. Because you see, in the darkness of life, when you're at your lowest, that is when you grow. When you're at the pit, when it's you and God got to wrestle out some stuff and no one can be in there with you, you got to fight it, just you and God. Just you and God. Can't nobody help you? Can't nobody, only thing they can do is pray with you, but it's a situation that you and God are the only ones who have to fight it out. And I believe them three days while Jesus was in the tomb, Peter was fighting it out with God. I believe he was asking himself, who am I? I'm not who I thought I was. Who am I? I need you to tell me, who am I? Talk about that last week. You need to ask the question. Jesus asked the question to the disciples, who do you say that I am? And he, we need to ask Jesus the question, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? I know who I think I am. I know who people say that I am. But I need to know, who do you say that I am? Because who you say that I am, that's the real me. And Peter had to fight it out in those days. I believe in my heart he had to fight it out in those days. He had to take a step back and he had to take a long, hard look at Peter. And that was humbling. It's humbling when you see your stuff in front of you. It's humbling. He had to check his pride. And what the experience did to Peter, it brought him down a notch. Ain't ain't nothing worse than somebody getting brought down a notch. But see, God would do it for us because he has a plan for us. And God disciplines those that he loves. He loves us. So he corrects us. And so in Peter's case, he had to bring Peter down. And so Peter was in that situation. To come back from a regret, again, we have to own that stuff. We have to own that stuff and we have to refuse to take part in the blame game. And I believe Peter was really repentive. He was repentive, and I believe the reason Peter was repentive and began that process of change and in dealing with who he was was because Peter had something that is necessary when you're going to make a comeback, and that is you need to have some hope. You have to have hope. Peter thought about when Jesus said Satan uh, had asked had asked to sift all of the disciples. We need to catch that. Satan asked. Let me repeat that one more time. Satan had to ask if it was okay to sift. Satan had to get permission to challenge them. Satan can't do anything to us unless the Lord gives him permission. He had to ask if he could say to, to sift all of the disciples and, and because Satan wanted to destroy the, the disciples' faith. He wanted to, to destroy them and, and he wanted to break them down. But Jesus responded that when Satan asked to sift them, Jesus said, but I prayed for their faith to not fail. 
fail. He prayed that when they go through the sifting process, because God used the sifting, he did use it. He didn't stop Satan. But what Jesus did to protect them, he said, I'm going to pray for them that when they are sifted, I need y'all to get that. When? He said, if, and we sometimes wonder, I'm, I, am, I am the captain of that ship. We come out and wonder why I'm going through what I'm going through. You're being sifted. He said, I'm praying that when you go through it, and somebody may be going through it right now, and you may be saying, I don't know how this is going to turn out. I don't know what's the what. I don't know what the deal is. I don't know why God keep on coming down this road. I don't know what this is. I just need you to hold on and hold that. You're just being sifted. That's all. I don't know if you've ever seen a sifter before. You know, the little flower sifter. Y'all have seen that little thing? He's just kind of getting the, pure, getting the impurities out. That's all he's doing right now. And he's saying, while you're going through the process, I have already prayed for you. Your faith's going to hold out. As a matter of fact, when you come out on the other side, you're going to be stronger than you were when you went through. He just wants you to hold on to that. You're going to be stronger. It's difficult right now. But you, you, you're going to be stronger. So Peter still has some faith. He, I don't know how much, Peter, how much faith Peter had, but Peter had just enough to keep holding on. I just want somebody to know, you got enough faith to keep holding on. God's going to give you enough faith to just keep holding on. Hold on until your change comes. Your change is going to come. You just got to hold on. Hold on. You're going to have some difficult days. Just hold on. It's going to come. It's going to seem like there's going to be no end. Hold on. Your change is going to come. He wants to, he wants you going to take you off to the end. You are going to come through. Going to come through. Now let's look at Judas. Peter understood what Judas did. When you are in Christ, you understand because because we understand, because we understand that our true brokenness, that in our true brokenness, we understand that there is a God whose mercy and grace are inexhaustible. See, see, when you, when you, when, as Christians, we, we know we can get jacked up. Right? Okay. I just want to make sure we were all together here. That was it, you know what I mean? We understand, right? But at the same time, we, 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 don't, we, don't, we don't take that mercy and grace for granted. We try to do what we're supposed to do, but we do understand that when we do mess up, we have a God that we can go to whose mercy is inexhaustible. Peter had that. Judas didn't. Judas didn't. Uh, 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 Peter turned to God, but Judas turned to himself. He turned to himself. Because when he ran over to the Pharisees to tell them that he had sinned and had shit caused innocent blood to shed, he tried to fix it, but they didn't, they didn't fix it. They didn't offer any redemption. They didn't give him any comforting words. In other words, it just said to him, basically, you just got to live with your mess. And, and so Judas thought that his guilt alone, his guilt alone could conquer sin. He thought just because I'm guilty, that's enough. Me feeling guilty is enough to overcome sin. He thought his guilt, he thought, let me say this again. He thought his guilt, his guilt was enough to overcome, for, to overcome sin. Y'all follow what I'm saying? 
He thought he had the power to wash away his sin. He thought that he could. And he thought that he could, so he tried to fix himself. And Peter, on the other hand, a true relationship with Jesus. But according to scripture, Judas didn't. Judas, Jesus referred to Judas as, as the son of perdition, which means uh, 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 one who is doomed to destruction. Doomed to destruction. God the Father and Jesus knew who Judas was and what Judas was going to do. They knew Judas was going to do what he did. They knew that Judas was going to do it. So, this, so, so with, with, despite the opportunities, because Judas had a whole lot of opportunities to get with and understand what Jesus was all about. He had a lot of opportunities. But Judas was, kind of, Judas was, on a, Judas was a different person. Okay? He was, he was just a different person. So, so even though they understood, they knew what, Jesus, what Judas was going to do. So despite all of the opportunities to turn his life around, they still included Judas in the twelve. They still included Judas in the 12 because they knew that Judas wasn't going to change. Not that God didn't want Judas to change. I need you to follow me on this. God did not create Judas to sin. But God knew that Judas was not going to change. So God used Judas to carry out his will. I need you to follow what I'm saying here. There are people who will follow Jesus, but they don't trust in Jesus. They will follow Jesus. They will follow you, but they don't believe in you. Do you hear what I'm saying? They will follow you. They will be with you. They will be all on your Facebook page. They're going to send you some messages, but they're not with you. They're really not. They're not with you. And so, and so they're just really just looking for you because they want you to mess up so they can go and talk about you. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, so that again, there, there, there are some that no matter how much you preach, how much you teach, how much you witness to them, they're not going to accept Jesus Christ. They're not. And we don't like to think about that, but there are going to be folks in hell. It's a fact of life. It's fact. Because it's not that God sent them there. They didn't believe. That's bottom line. And, and, and the same thing. They, 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 they ended up in a situation. And, and so in Judas's case, if he had just, he listened. He didn't listen. He had all his opportunity. He was with Jesus for three years. And I get it that he still thought it was going to be an earthly kingdom. I understand that. But by the mere fact that Jesus referred to him as the son of perdition, that tells us where he was spiritually. I had to be honest with you. I was trying to help Judas out. You know what I mean? I was like, well, you know, he ain't mean to. You know what I mean? He just, he was confused. You know what I mean? He meant well. You know, but when I had to go back and read what Jesus said, I'm like, well, you know what, Jesus, I ain't going to contradict you. Now, you said, you said that's who he is, then that's who he is. I got it. Even though I'm trying to help Judas, clearly I can't help Judas. It is, it is, it is what it is. But, but, I, but I had to ask myself the question. Because when Judas ran out of the temple, he said he ran back to his place, got a rope, Ran out to, to a tree. Put a rope around his neck. And took his life. 
He tried to fix what he had broken. He tried to fix himself. So the question that I had to ask, I had to ask and I ask you to think about it too. Suppose Judas had waited three more days. Suppose, I just, think, just think about it. Suppose Judas had waited three more days. Suppose he, suppose he didn't make himself his own judge and jury. Suppose he had, suppose he had just had, because again, Judas didn't need for Jesus to die. But Judas found himself in a situation where he didn't feel there was any way out but to take his own life. But suppose Judas had just held out until Sunday morning. If he had just held out until Sunday morning, if he had waited just three more days, went back with the other disciples, even though he was broke down and did the wrong thing, but if he had gone back, he too would have seen the resurrected Christ. He would have known that even his betrayal was not the final word. He would have known how God used his brokenness, how God used his sinfulness in order to accomplish his will. I, I believe if he, to accomplish his will, he, he would have known that God used him to propel Jesus into his divine destiny and to his purpose. And that's why, that's one reason why I say to anyone with a dream and a team, yeah. a dream and a team, you're going to pick your Judas. You're going to pick your Judas because you're going to need them to fulfill your purpose. If Jesus, if, pardon me, if Judas had waited three more days, if Judas had just waited three more days, when the Savior walked into the room, came through the walls, as the scripture said, if Judas had just cried out to him, forgive me, Jesus, for what I had done to you. Forgive me for, for, for turning you in and, and forgive me for Jesus for all that I've done. I believe with all my heart. I know Jesus, without a doubt, would have forgiven Judas. Judas would have been forgiven. And I believe that Judas could have been become one of the, if he had waited three more days, Judas might could have been one of the, the, the have a testimony, would have been one of the greatest testimony than any of the disciples who were in that room. Because Judas could tell his story. Can you imagine Judas telling his story to a crowd of people coming out saying, I betrayed this man. For 30 pieces of silver, I portrayed him. I watched him die on the cross. Can you just see Judas right now? I watched him die on the cross. I saw them when he laid him into the tomb. And I saw him when he raised, was raised from the grave. And this man that I sent to the cross turned around and forgave me. Can you imagine? him three years I told him give me 30 pieces of silk the amount of money for a slave that's what I did I saw them nailing him to the cross and this man that I stood there and watched die on the cross turned around 
and forgave me. If Judas had waited three more days, you know what? I don't even know if Judas would even have to ask Jesus first. Because if I read the scriptures right, Peter didn't ask first. Jesus approached Peter. You know, sometimes we think we can't be forgiven or we shouldn't be. And perhaps Peter was in a situation where he thought he wasn't, what right do I have to come to you and ask for forgiveness? But if, Jesus, if Judas had, had hung out three more days, what would his testimony have been like? What would, what would his testimony have been like? In our lives, we're going to have some moments that are going to seem overwhelmingly bleak. We're going to have some times where we're going to make, we made a mess. And we may even find ourselves in a situation where we don't even see there's any way out of the mess that I created. I don't see a way out. I don't, I don't, know, I don't know how to get out of this. But the message of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we're going to be celebrating on next Sunday is that the God that we serve is a God of not one chance, not two chances, but he's a God of multiple chances. He's a God that you can go back and he will forgive you over and over and over again. If you're sincere, I need to throw that in there. And after, after our worst sin, our worst sin, there is the offer of grace that is before us that we can obtain. And in the darkest time, we have to remember that we have an Easter that is yet to come. It may be Good Friday right now, but we got an Easter that is on its way. If you can receive that, please give the Lord a hand. I have any second chance people in here? I'm gonna ask them, any, any second chance? How about some third chances? Any, any third chances in here? folks in here, you just lost count. I got in the lost count people in here. That's why y'all praise God so hard and so much, don't you? Just know how, you don't even know how many times you just lost count. <laughs> As our altar girl is before us right now, oh we, bless the Lord, we all, the girlfriend is already here. I thought she was a decision counselor. I looked over her and I was like, I don't recognize her. But anyway, God is good. Is there another? Is there another? Is there another in here? You just, you just need another chance with the Lord. You just want another opportunity. 
If you were here this morning, come on down like that lady that she didn't even wait. Let me tell you something. When it's your time, do you hear what I'm saying? When you know that you know, you don't let nobody, you don't, you don't let looks hold you back. You don't let, no, girl, I didn't even see girlfriend come down the aisle. That's when you're serious. We just need to thank God for the seriousness. And... Yes. Yes. The invitation is extended to anyone, everyone who is under the sound of my voice, whether you have been saved for just a few years, few months, few weeks, or whether you've been saved for many, many years. If you just find yourself that you just need to touch and, pray, touch and agree with someone. Oh, come on. Somebody help her out. Somebody help Miss Arlene out. Somebody just help Miss Arlene, if you will. Thank you, Minister Kim. Thank you. Give the Lord a praise. Yes. Come on. Only God can fix what is broken. Only he can fix what is broken. Only he's the only one who can mend our hearts. And only he can take all of our mess and just take something good out of it. We don't know how he does it, but he does. Let's just give the Lord a praise and just honor him. If you know you have been there, just thank God for a broken and contrite spirit. Is there another? Is there another? You may have come in here one way. But again, just like I said, we get, you are in a, in a church where we have had a whole lot of, had a whole lot of chance. God gave us a whole lot of breaks. And it's because of his grace and mercy we up in here. And because we're standing on two feet because of his grace and mercy. So we just want to give anyone else an opportunity. Maybe some things that you just felt like you just, what's the use? I've been in that position before. It's just kind of like, what's the use? You feel like you're fighting against yourself. You know what I mean? You know how sometimes as kids you'd be up there fighting, what you call air fighting? You know what I mean? You're going all right guy. You're trying, to, you're trying to get at something, but really it's you. Trying to get at whatever that is. If you're, if you're here, we invite you to come. Our decision council will be more than happy to minister to you. Salvation is in the house. Restoration is in the house. Baptism and church membership. All is well. All is well. Are we sure all is well? If all is well with you, just hear me say it. All is well with me. Amen. Come on. Let's thank God for